Welcome to Project Enterprise, a podcast for ambitious people trying to figure everything out just like us. Hi, I'm Ben Metzger. I'm Jason Whitman. And I'm Jonathan Billing. And today we have on a very special guest, somebody I know pretty well. His name is Michael Maddy, and he does amazing for photography. He's someone who I could say has really like followed his dreams and has a career that not very many people have been able to succeed at. Cool. Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Happy to be here today. Yeah, good to have you on. Yeah, so to open things up, um, <laughs> I don't want to start off on a controversial note, but something I've been thinking a lot about um, when we were talking about having you on is just in today's age, you know, there are a lot of people who have iPhone cameras, things like that. It seems like photography is a very saturated um, business to be in. Um, what's it like being a photographer out there in a world where there's so many different amateur photographers? Yeah, no, you're right. It's definitely a saturated market and becomes more so uh, every day, I guess. Um, but it's just a matter of trying to stand out among the crowd. Um, I mean, it's the same with anything, basically. I mean, anybody can pick up a camera or whatever and say they're a photographer, but it takes uh, a lot more than just having equipment or even um, starting something. You have to be persistent with it and um, kind of do things a little bit differently or more creative. And then also there's a lot of business that goes into it and like uh, strategy and stuff like that. Um, so that definitely helps uh, yeah. stand out from the crowd. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And we'll get into a lot of that. But first, um, let's go back um, to when you were a kid. I think John told me that you were, your parents were missionaries and you were raised abroad, um, traveled around. Um, did you see any signs in your childhood that you might be interested in heading in a photography direction? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I grew up in Indonesia and the Philippines, um, spent my childhood over there, and then Indiana after that, which isn't quite as exciting. But um, definitely, I was always a creative kid growing up, um, just doing uh, different, like, drawing things like that, even just like building crazy Lego things. Um, but I don't necessarily think I was into photography at a young age. Uh, I, my dad had a camera, and so I'd like watch him do film and stuff. But um, it wasn't until high school that I even got my first camera. Um, and then college is when it really uh, took off in terms of my love of photography. But I think definitely the creative juices were flowing at a young age. Yeah. Found an outlet for it through photography. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. So what what did you actually get your degree in at college? Um, so I did graduate with a degree in photography. Um, it took a while in terms of me figuring out what I wanted to do. I bounced around all over the place, changed my major four times. So anybody out there listening who's not sure what they <laughs> want to do in the middle of college, don't worry about it. It'll work out. Um, yeah, I didn't change my major to photography till about halfway through. Um, and graduated yeah, with a degree in photography as well as a business minor um, to kind of help with that. So that was just uh, four years, like, bachelor's program? Degree? Yeah, so four-year degree. Two years before-ish. Yeah. Figure that out. Mm -hmm. Man. Interesting. So it's cool that I was out. looking at some of your work on Instagram, and it, you do a lot of, um, like, sweeping landscape photos. Was, I'm interested in, you know, how you learned to do that in college when you're Going, when you're living in Indiana. I mean, there's not a whole lot out there to take photos of. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. I mean, there are some nice sweeping cornfields, um, <laughs> which I did shoot, um, but I also traveled a decent amount. Okay. Um, my family has always um, been into travel, so we do road trips and things like that. Um, and then, yeah, just shooting the stuff that was right there, even if it's not you know as exciting as the mountains here in Washington, it still helps you develop those skills. Um, and then even with the landscapes, you're still applying like basic photography techniques and settings and things like that, that you are, might be learning shooting something else. So even while I was shooting, say, stuff indoors or more like portraiture in college, that I still was able to apply that then to general photography and landscapes in the future. Kind of staying on college for a second, do you think uh, all the skills you use now in just working every day, you learned that from college, or do you think you kind of figured that out on your own just through practicing, or is it a bit of both? Or Yeah, I definitely think it's a bit of both. Um, I mean, when I switched my major to photography, I didn't really know much about photography. Um, I had 
just had a basic point and shoot camera. Yeah. It broke one summer. And then I was like, oh man, I need a new camera just to like, you know, take mm-hmm. pictures for Facebook or whatever. Um, and so I decided to splurge a little bit and get one of the DSLR cameras with all the settings and everything. So it wasn't until I bought that camera where I was like, oh, there's all these buttons I can play with and um, then really fell in love with it. And <clears throat> from there, I knew that that's what I wanted to do and just kind of kept pursuing that. And yeah, I got to where I'm at now. That's sick. That's sick. That sounds cool. Just not really knowing that one day you kind of fall into the camera and then just keep pursuing yeah. it until turns into something like that that's awesome exactly were you pretty stressed out after you graduated about like making a decent income a little bit um yeah i when i graduated two days later i drove out here to seattle i was ready to to move somewhere um luckily when i moved out here i had a sister and brother-in-law um that were living here that i was able to move in with to really cut the costs um because i had absolutely no plan when i moved out here i was just had a degree in photography. I was like, I want to take pictures. Um, but yeah, luckily, being able to stay with them helped me save money. And uh, I was able to slowly then build up my career. But it was definitely stressful. And I mean, it still is with photography and just freelance life in general. Yeah. Because there's no guarantee you don't have a salary where it's like, oh, I know I'm going to make this much next month. It's like you sometimes go months without making money. You just have to yeah. know that something's eventually going to come in. So do you have, like, a savings fund, or did you early on that you had to rely on? Uh, I should have. Um, (laughs) No, yeah, I mean, you definitely need to try and save as much money as you can, but there definitely have been times in the last, I've been doing this now, like, six years, um, or seven years now. Um, There's definitely been times where I've been very short on cash. Um, And But, yeah, now I'm definitely better at saving than I used to be. Hmm. It's always a good skill. Yeah. So when you um, got out of school, um, you moved to Seattle, you're trying to find work. What was kind of your break? You know, how did you start making money off of photography? Yeah, so when I first moved here, um, it was a lot different than it is now in terms of what I thought I wanted to do or even what I was doing. Um, When I first moved here, basically, I was hustling, trying to find any type of photography jobs that I could. Um, A lot of people, when they graduate from school and they're trying to do photography, they'll get, like, part-time jobs, being a barista or something. I didn't really want to do that because I just wanted to have as much time dedicated to photography as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was looking on Craigslist, picking up all kinds of random stuff. There's some weird stuff on there with <laughs> photography, but I was able to find some stuff on that. And then I started shooting weddings as well, um, which are a great way to make a decent amount of money, like right out of school. Yeah. Um, so I was doing that in the summer. And then I was assisting at uh, commercial studios in the Seattle area. Um, And so that was a lot of product stuff, which is actually kind of what I thought I might want to do when I graduated from school and moved out here. I thought I might want to do like studio stuff with all these lighting setups and different products and food and beverage and stuff. And so I was assisting at different studios for that. One of them does all the stuff for Starbucks. That was kind of one of the bigger ones that I assisted at. And so, yeah, I did that, whereas basically just setting up the lights and uh, moving things as the head photographer was shooting. And so between that and the weddings and the random Craigslist gigs, that's kind of how I started making money with that. Um, And then the transition point from that to basically doing what I do now, which is a lot of travel and outdoors and outdoor-centered products, um, was social media. Basically, I moved out here because I love the mountains and the outdoors, and so I was hiking and started taking pictures of just the stuff I love doing, hiking, backpacking, travel, that kind of stuff, and was posting them, and it sort of blew up. Um, and then got to a point where I could actually make money off of that. That's sweet. So was there kind of an inciting post or kind of incident or shoot or something that kind of led to that? Yeah, um, there was one. Basically, Instagram itself um, featured a photo of mine, which kind of, I think I had about 3,000 followers at the time. Mm -hmm. And this was five, six years ago. It was a much more... And right now, just for context, you have about 289,000. We just... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Getting close to 300. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at about the time, I think I had about 3,000. And Instagram shared a photo of mine. And it was a time in Instagram's like growth period where people were following a lot more. And like a share from Instagram meant a lot more than it did now. Before been, a lot of the algorithmic changes yeah, they made. Exactly, and, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I mean, now I've been featured by them a couple times since then. And 
it hasn't had quite the effect that it did that first time where I yeah. went up about 25,000 followers in three days. Wow. Yeah, that, um, that's, so, a, that's a bit of a leap for sure. Yeah, so I, I mean, I had already kind of done the groundwork on my profile in terms of I had been posting consistently good like outdoor content. And then once they kind of featured my account, it uh, got in front of a lot of eyeballs and then mm -hmm. drew a lot of followers. And so that was sort of the catalyst that really uh, started it. I mean, I think I would have gotten to where I'm at now eventually, but that definitely jump started it. Yeah, definitely a good push there. So it sounds kind of like while there was kind of a one post that really put it over the edge, you kind of already had some groundwork laid out. It wasn't like you just started yesterday. You know, you'd already been practicing and doing it for a little while before that happened. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as with most things in life, there's a lot of uh, work that goes into it before the the one moment that really takes it off. Yeah. Going back to like your early on days, did uh, did you get any pushback from your parents or like friends about getting a degree in photography? Like, were they worried about it? Yeah. Um, luckily, my parents have always been really supportive of me. Um, but I think they were definitely hesitant when I came home and was like, hey, I'm going to change my major to photography because I had started out like computer science and business. And so it was like all these normal sort of things that are <laughs> yeah. very concrete um, as opposed to photography. I think my dad especially, I think it was a little hesitant, like, are you going to be able to make money with that? Um, but they've definitely come around um, in the last few years for sure. Did you have any, like, self-doubt on your own, like, early on? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I think any creative um, experiences self-doubt. I mean, even now, even just with work that I put out or projects, there's always a, a little bit of self-doubt or just, like, is this good enough or does this live up to the standard or am I meeting all the expectations here? Um, but, yeah, especially beginning, um, not really knowing what I was doing or what to expect. Um, there was a lot more of that self-doubt um, just because it was a lot more uh, jumping into the unknown. And how, how did you get over some of that? Uh, I think just a lot of it is persistence um, and pushing yourself um, to try new things and do new things. And kind of the more you do it, you just build that experience. Um, and so just even when you maybe are feeling self-conscious about your work, putting it out there, or when you um, kind of get tired of shooting and are doubting your like abilities, just getting out there and shooting, basically just facing it head on. Do you find it gets easier the more and more you do it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, as with a lot of things in life, um, just practice and repetition. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you're, you're on your own. You're essentially a small business owner. Um, what would you say the pros and the cons are of, I don't know, doing this by yourself and being on your own? What's most, what do you think the most difficult part of that is? Um, yeah, um, yeah, I have a small business that I, th I started when I moved out here in 2013. Um, and there's definitely a lot of pros and cons to being your own business owner. Um, I guess one of the biggest cons is just finding the motivation. Because mm. um, one of the biggest pros is that you can literally do whatever you want whenever you want but the con that kind of goes with that is no one's making you do anything <laughs> yep so there's no I mean you have deadlines for projects and things but there's no one making you like pursue new projects or even edit the project that you're working on at a certain time it's like you really have to find a lot of self-motivation when you own your own business hmm. what are what are some ways you've found that self-motivation do you have anything that like motivates you or any techniques do you have to be in a certain setting yeah um there's definitely times um where i've been less or more motivated um it kind of comes in waves and um definitely early on i mean my bank account was a big motivation because <laughs> uh, when you look at it and there's not much in there you find the motivation real quick um but then as time's kind of progressed it's sort of just finding what I really love to do. And when you're really passionate about something, it's easier to find the motivation to do it when it feels less like work. Um, I mean, it's still hard to find the motivation to like put together tax information and stuff. But yeah. in terms of like the business of photography, it's gotten easier for sure. I guess uh, before we go 
much too farther than anything, we should really establish what exactly a work day or a project looks like for you. What what's what's what are you actually doing to make money? Yeah. So in terms of my day to day, it can vary greatly. Um, mm-hmm. But my business as a whole is basically um, outdoor adventure lifestyle photography. So I make a lot of my money. Uh, shooting for outdoor-related brands like clothing brands, Mm -hmm. um, outdoor gear brands. Um, And then I also do a lot of tourism stuff. Um, So that's taken me quite a few places around the world, um, just shooting for local tourism, for advertising and stuff like that. Um, And then I do a number of things on my own um, just with the audience that I've built, like workshops and preset sales and print sales. Um, So you got some passive income on that side too? Yeah, exactly. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Interesting. Um, um, oh, okay, well, I just, you know, unless Ben wants something to go back on first, just get right into, you know, what some of these projects, if you're willing to discuss, like, how they come about with maybe these bigger brands. Do you yeah. pursue them, or what's the negotiations look like? Um, luckily, I've been fortunate enough where a lot of these brands have kind of just come to me, mm-hmm. um, and I've definitely done my fair share of reaching out and had some gigs come um, that way, but the majority of it just starts with me seeing an email in my inbox like, hey, came across your Instagram or your website or whatever. We'd love to work with you on this. And so that's been kind of most of it. Um, and then there's definitely a lot of emailing back and forth and negotiating. Yeah. That's a big part of my business is emailing, um, which a lot of people don't realize. So I'm either sitting at my computer answering emails all day or I'm like out shooting. So kind of. Is there a fair amount of networking involved? Yeah, definitely. Um, as with a lot of things, the more people that you know, it just can only help you. Um, and photography is no different um, in terms of there's been a few times where I've met people um, and kind of become their friends and then work came from that afterwards, like whether it was their business or whether they got asked to do a project and asked if they knew any other photographers. Um, there's definitely been a lot of work that's come my way through people that I've met along the way. I noticed that you you often like reply to comments on your posts, um, and it, it must take a good amount of time because you get a lot of comments. Yeah, no, I I read every comment and message that I get, um, and try to keep up with that. Uh, it's a little harder when I travel; I sometimes fall off on that a bit. But I think it's important to engage with uh, your audience, no matter how big or small it is. I mean, it might get to a point where it becomes too hard or too much time, but. For now, I try to do that. I think it just um, connects you with your audience, which only helps you in, when, if you're talking in terms of business. Um, when people feel more connected to you, they're definitely more likely to like sign up for your workshops or buy your prints, um, and then also give you business if they like own a business and are looking to hire a photographer or something. So I think just building a connection with your audience in any way uh, yeah. can only help. Yeah, building that rapport is only ever going to yeah. help for sure, definitely. Um, kind of, uh, I don't know if, uh, Ben or John has more general things, but I'm totally want to get into some nitty gritty stuff. If you don't mind about some of the things you've done. Uh, I know John told me you did some stuff for like Eddie Bauer and Jack Daniels, you know, how often are you getting like some big names? Are you actually, I mean, if you want to talk about, are you making money on those names? There's a lot of that just for the budget of whatever the project is. Uh, no. Yeah. Those are definitely some of my big money makers. Um, Yeah, Eddie Bauer has been a great brand. I've worked with them now almost two years now um, doing several contracts. Usually they're a a couple months at a time where I'm working with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, they've been a great brand because they fit so well with what I love to shoot and what I love to do, and they're a quality outdoor brand. So it's been a natural fit, and uh, it's been a lot of fun to shoot for them. Did they Um, reach out to you? Yeah, so they reached out to me. They work with a lot of people, um, and they're here in the Seattle area, so it's nice to work with a local brand kind of. Um, like that. But yeah, there's been a lot of uh, bigger brands like that. I've worked with, oh, I mean, it's all listed on my website, but um, there's a lot of them. It's hard to pick okay. them. And then tourism brands too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've worked with a few alcohol brands like Jack Daniels, um, a couple of wine brands. Um, you kind of never know what's going to come your way. Yeah. And for all the brands I work with, I turn down way more brands than that um, yeah. if they're not good fits or just. Mm-hmm companies I don't really want to work with. Yeah. Is that kind of a factor when you're deciding if you want to do a project, like who, if you'd be working with anyone or yeah. do, if they have a vision that you just really don't like as much? Oh yeah, that's definitely a factor. I mean, first and foremost, if it's a product that I 
wouldn't use myself, I'm not going to advertise it in terms of like sharing it on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I might shoot it for them, like for their commercial use, because at that yeah. point I'm just like, you know. But not putting your personal right, brand on it. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a little bit different in terms of if I'm shooting something just for them to use or if I'm shooting something that I'm going to actually advertise myself. Okay. Because um, if it's something that I'm advertising myself, I want to make sure it's something I actually believe in and would use myself. Okay. And if Eddie Bauer is local, is that only email? It's going back and forth. Do you ever have face-to-faces with someone? Or? Uh, yeah, it's mostly email, um, but I have had a few meetings there. Their headquarters are in Bellevue, so I've okay. been over there a couple times. Are those what, – what are those – are those just production meetings? What's going on there? Is anything happening or – No, usually it's just a little bit more kind of like what the vision is for the project. Okay. A lot more surfacey. You kind of get into the nitty-gritty mostly in emails in terms of like budgets and okay. um, timelines and things like that. Um, but yeah, usually with most brands, you're just kind of meeting, talking vision mostly, like mm-hmm. what they kind of foresee Looking getting the out of the project. Scope yeah. of the project. Mm-hmm. And, okay, that's cool. I mean, yeah, email negotiation is definitely something that's happened more and more and more. Yeah. Um, what was something you? Um, what was one of the first negotiations that, that happened like that that you were you know. The first bigger things where you actually had a negotiation, maybe it wasn't just like, hey, I'll do this for you and you give me this much money. Or yeah. Was there like any problems you didn't really see that would arise or anything that yeah. surprised you there? Um, it's sort of been a slow process where it's grown naturally in terms of like the first thing I did was just like, hey, here's a free sweatshirt mm-hmm. um, <laughs> for some photos. Yeah. Um, and so then it's sort of grown there to like, hey, here's a hundred bucks and a free sweatshirt. Um, but definitely I've learned to be a lot more specific in things because that's a couple projects I've had way in the past where the client thinks one thing and you think another thing and oh, then you del- yeah. deliver the product and they're like, that's not really what we had in mind because there wasn't enough communication. Communication mm-hmm. in that negotiation stage is such a big part of it. Um, just making sure you're on the same page with the clients so that at the end of the day, they'll be happy and you'll be able to deliver the right product to them. Yeah. Have you, I guess, do you get a lot of projects through word of mouth of other clients ever also? or? Yeah, um, as well as uh, people that I've worked with on specific projects. I've had it happen a few times where um, there'll be someone who works for a company and I've worked for them for that company, but then they'll have moved companies and they'll be like, oh, I've oh, worked with okay. this photographer, this oh, other cool. company. Um, and a lot of my work also comes through agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're working with a bunch of different brands. So if you did a good job for them, for this one brand, they'll, okay. you know, pitch you to this other brand that they're working with. So That's interesting, though. Agencies, that's that's something a lot of people don't know about. I happen to, too, because I'm in a similar field. But, you know, uh, talk about maybe how you found out about agencies and got started in them. Or Yeah. Um, so I haven't had, like, a specific agency that I've signed with yeah. where it's been, like, my only thing. Um, it's mostly just agencies reaching out to me on specific projects. Um, And then there's also a few websites and apps where they're kind of built up as an agency where you like put your name and profile Mm -hmm. on this platform and then they'll kind of uh, connect you with brands through that platform. That's cool. So just for those of us that don't really um, know a whole lot about the industry, how does an agency work in relation to your job? Uh, So basically they'll connect you with the brand and the job. Um, and then they'll take a cut from it, essentially. Um, sometimes, um, I guess most of the time, they'll handle the negotiation for you, too, which is nice because they'll just basically be like, hey, we have this project for this company, pay you this amount of money, um, and you can negotiate with them, but then they'll actually be the one talking to the brand. So it kind of, uh, yeah, they just work as a middleman between you and the brand um, can kind of handle some of the stuff that you don't necessarily want to handle. Some of the business side, not the yeah, creative exactly. as much. Yeah, it, it allows you to be a little bit more focused on just the creative and not really having to worry about, like, the contracts and the negotiation mm-hmm. as much. Um, but then, you know, they take some of the um, profit from it. So it's got yeah. its pros and cons. Do you think um, – have you – I guess just I kind of on creative – like, those agencies that connect you with brands, have you found, like, good work through them or is it – pretty consistent in any way is there something to be careful about from them or yeah um it's been all over the place in terms of the agencies i've worked with i mean some of them will try and like squeeze every ounce of 
product and yeah. work out of you as they can. Um, and other ones have been amazing to work with where it's just like a huge weight's lifted from you and you're really able to focus on that creative That's aspect. Cool. So it really depends on the uh, agency that you're working with because they can kind of be all over the place. Okay. Are you talking about local ones in this area? No, or? this is mo- pretty just much in general. online. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a cool resource to know about, you know, if you're in a creative field, that there's these agencies that can connect you with yeah. the clients. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you just, like, search for photography agencies and stuff, you'll be able to find a lot online. Um, and some of them you'll have to, like, submit portfolios to and things yeah. like that. Yeah, sure, application process. Um, mm-hmm. I know there's a couple in Seattle for photography and film and motion graphics and stuff. That It's basically what you said, but you also have to go in for an quote-unquote interview. Mm-hmm. You just go in if they've already accepted you just so they can see your face, basically. Yeah. But, yeah, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are definitely a resource. Uh, yeah. Creative industries looking to agencies and stuff. Sweet. I feel like we've been talking about negotiation a lot, which is perfect yeah. because uh, the book I wanted to talk about this episode is called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. And the author is a hostage no- negotiator for the FBI and he mm-hmm. handles terrorist negotiations and other similar cases. Um, I just felt like it was really relevant because... I didn't realize how much you actually had to negotiate as a photographer. Um, and in the book, he discusses how how frequent people negotiate without even realizing it. You negotiate um, in your relationship, in your career, at school. Um, and he just says it's like a really relevant uh, skill to have that most people don't really have up to par. In the book, he lists a bunch of like tips on it and, and methods. I was just... Is there any like tips or methods we could talk about right now some cool ones or important ones Is yeah there definitely um some of the tips are like uh he recommends talk um like this thing called mirroring where you repeat the last three words of what they say to encourage them to talk more he says negotiation is an act of discovery and you want to find out as much info as possible um he says you want the other people to name their price first so Marion's like, you say, oh, I work in photography. And me going, oh, you work in photography. Right. That's, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then he says you should give ranges, like price ranges, and uh, you should set your price ranges higher than you expect because it'll probably go on the low end. Um, he says when you give a final number, it should be like an odd number because like $1 just, uh, he says it seems like it's not official and could move. Actually, I've done that, yeah. yeah. It's contra- changing to zero from like, $110 to $115 just because it, it seems like more thought out. Yeah. It's, it's so dumb. And then, like, basically Wait. he just says negotiation is about understanding the other person and acknowledging their side and a lot of people that just want to be heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael, just to bring it back to you, has is there been any negotiations that just went completely different than you thought they would and... Uh, yeah. stories there. First of all, it's interesting you'd bring up that book. I just bought it the other day, actually. Oh, nice. Um, I haven't read it yet, but it seemed um, really applicable to what I do. So I'm looking forward to reading it even more now. <laughs> um, but yeah, negotiation is a big part of my job. And there's definitely been a few that have gone not how I thought they would go or have gone south. Um, I think the worst, there was one I was talking to a tourism company. And we had lots of emails going back and forth. Um, and it seemed legit. And like I'd sent them my... Um, media kit with even like a price sheet of like what I could offer them for what prices and Mm -hmm. stuff Um, and they seemed excited hopped on a call and like during the call they asked like they they started talking pricing and it was like a tenth of what my media kit had and we were like but it had it listed so they should have read it right they they did read it and so it was just like really weird and basically a waste of time for everyone Um, so there's been a few things like that it's mostly with price where they're not at all on board yeah. um, with the pricing I want. How often, here, here's a question then, how often do you go in with a number and how often do you de- get close to that number or get that? Um, fairly often. Um, it depends on the project. I mean, yeah, like like Jonathan said earlier where you kind of want to start a little bit higher mm-hmm. than like what you actually want because, um, I mean, there is a lot of negotiation back and forth in terms of pricing yeah. and then deliverables to like X amount of photos or rights for this type of use or this type of use. Um, and so that really changes the price. So you kind of want to give a range and yeah, um, airing on the higher side definitely helps because you might have a number in mind, like, you know, say I want $10,000 for this. You might say, oh, 15,000, but you really just want that 10. Yeah. And so it yeah. helps to do that. Okay. The That's author cool. gives like a, 
in the book, he gives like a process that he recommends using. He says you should set your target price or goal price, and then you should set your first offer at 65% of your goal price, and then calculate three raises of decreased increments from 85% to 95 to 100 to your goal price. And then he says when you're calculating the final price, you should use round numbers like we talked about earlier. And on your final numbers, throw in like a non-monetary item. Mm. So, so he's saying, he's talking to a mic. He's saying that your actual number should be sixty-five percent, and you add on top of that for your high, for your highball. Yeah. So, like, if I was buying that. a car or some item for a hundred dollars, I would first yeah. offer sixty-five. Yeah. Yeah, and then just slowly increase. Wait, isn't he saying that you would first offer sixty-five <laughs> is the number you want, and so you would offer a hundred? Wait, no. Blah. Don't listen to me. I'm an idiot. Like, if 100 is what you're willing to pay, no, 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 no I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah. I'm just I think we know who didn't read the book. <laughs> you didn't either, Ben. You <laughs> forgot about it. I didn't say anything, though. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Michael, That's you can come me. back and That's yeah. tell us about the book once yeah, you've yeah. read it. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I'll read it here soon. Right now, we got a copy. You can read it for speed read, right? Yeah. Okay. What's some of your favorite jobs that you've taken? I probably guessing that the traveling ones would be pretty awesome yeah um it's definitely been some of the tourism jobs that i've done um i did one for slovenia tourism um which is a amazing country in europe that is really underrated um and i did a job there for a week basically traveled around the entire country it's pretty small um and just shot photos for them to use for marketing and stuff and it was amazing um, so that one was a lot of fun. Um, I did a cruise down to the Dominican Republic. That was really cool. Um, there's been a few other tourism stuff like that where, yeah, those are definitely the most fun for me in just because I get to go to a new place and, like, yeah. explore and take photos. And are most of your expenses for traveling covered then? Yeah. Um, I mean, on those projects, everything's covered. Um, and then I still do a lot of traveling on my own, um, especially when I have a brand to shoot, like, say, Eddie Bauer or whatever. If I'm going on a trip, you know, it's always a business trip for me um, traveling. So I essentially get some of those get, expenses back. Get a little bit of deductibles yeah. there. <laughs> um, nice. But, so it's nice to c- combine just what I love to do, traveling, exploring, when I have a project to sort of make it more worthwhile from a business point of view. Mm-hmm. So when you when you say these tourism uh, projects like that, Sylvania, is that something where well, regardless of who reached out, are you just there to take pictures of just basically the country, and then it's just some they have their own business they just to use for whatever? Yeah, I mean it depends on the project. Um, most of my projects are a mix of um, creating content for their them to use for like their marketing, and then also me advertising the place to my audience. Okay. Um, so sharing posts of Slovenia on Instagram. So it's always a blend of the, those two things. Um, and then in terms of like what they want me to shoot, that's, uh, again, it goes back to the negotiation and the email kind of um, beforehand talking about what they want me to focus on or what they want me to shoot. Mm-hmm. And that one in particular, there was quite a bit of negotiation because they had me focusing a lot more on like city stuff and like arts okay. and food and things. I was like, ah, oh, that's not really what I'm focus on. So Don't we, look like we negotiated and was able to find a balance of the two. Um, cool. So it works the same when I'm shooting for like a hotel brand or something, um, saying how much do you want me to focus on like your hotel, the interiors, the amenities you offer, the food, or do you want me to also focus on like the city that people can explore? Um, so it's always just communication beforehand. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I mean, that's important for sure. In a- anything, you know, communication is always going to you know, it's it's going to do wonders for you yeah. in any relationship, professional or personal. Yeah. What's some of your favorite places to travel? Oh, man. Um, definitely Patagonia down in South America. I've been there a couple times, and it's just so rugged and wild and beautiful. The mountains are just so dramatic down there that it's an incredible place to experience. Highly recommend it. Um, that's definitely up near the top. Um, and then New Zealand is just... A beautiful country, um, and it's you can explore so much in New Zealand in such a short time. Um, you just rent a car, drive around the South Island in particular. Um, it's got such a diverse landscape in such a small area. Um, so those are probably my two favorite areas um, to explore. I mean, just rugged, wild landscapes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking at photos of it right now because I have to confess, I did 
not know Patagonia was a place. <laughs> thought it was a... Uh, just the jacket? The jacket brand. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's uh, pretty it's, nice. It's Bro. a real place. <laughs> yeah, their logo is uh, the Fitzroy Range, um, which is in El Chaltan, Argentina. Hmm. It's an amazing backpacking spot. Interesting. Look at all that blue water. Yeah. Love me some blue water. I'm sure this is very interesting for our listeners. <laughs> so you go you go backpacking a lot. Is it hard, like, bringing up all of the photography gear when you go hiking? Yeah, definitely. Um, most people, if they picked up my backpacking backpack, they would not be very happy about <laughs> thinking about carrying that up a mountain. Um, yeah, it definitely adds a lot of weight. Cause, and, I mean, I could probably make it easier on myself by, like, being more selective in what I bring. But you want it all, you know? But I want it all, yeah. What if I need that telephoto? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I always carry my main camera, uh, Canon 5D Mark IV, and then I'll have a 1635 2.8 lens, a 24 to 70 2.8 lens, and then a 70 to 200. And then now I've also started carrying a 50 1.4 just for uh, some, like, more portraiture stuff. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's four lenses and a camera, and then yeah. if... If it's a place where I can fly my drone, I'm also carrying that. So yeah, and those zoom lenses are pretty yep. big too. Yeah. Those, oh yeah, this is heavy. Mm-hmm. And then a tripod if I'm shooting like astro stuff. So for people listening that don't know, he talked about two really big lenses, one kind of big lens, and then one small lens. Yeah, basically. Yeah, so that's the technical way of describing those lenses. Yeah. <laughs> Since we're using drones now, how do you think technology is going to change the way professional photographs are taken in the future? Yeah. Um, Well, with drones specifically, um, it's definitely opened up some doors. um, And for me personally, it's been great to sort of create new opportunities in terms of how I shoot a specific place. So um, technology and drones specifically, it's um, made it easier to shoot not as interesting places, if that makes sense. So like say I've been, um, I guess one job in particular, I was in Finland um, working with their tourism and... Um, it was mostly just like a lakes and trees region, which maybe wasn't as exciting. Like on the ground, you're just like walking through the forest and then you're at the edge of a lake. But once I put my drone up and was able to see it from a completely different perspective, you're seeing all these blue lakes and the trees and everything. And it looked amazing. Um, and so technology can definitely help you, um, sort of be more creative with what you do. Don't have to rent a helicopter. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yep. Super cool. Do you own a drone or do you rent or? No, I own a drone. Um, I just crashed it though on my last oh, trip. What drone is it? Uh, so I have the DJI Mavic 2 Pro. Okay, nice. That's good. Um, That's good I still have, I guess, my old drone, so I've been flying that the last uh, month. While I'm... Is it just like a Mavic Pro, like the original? Uh, no, it's the DJI Phantom 4. Pro. Oh, the Phantom. Yeah, so it's oh, a bit okay. bigger. Oh, Phantom 4. Yeah, okay. the, the Mavics are really tiny. The white um, one with the big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mavics are really tiny, which is great for travel and like yeah. backpacking and stuff. So I'll probably buy a new one, but I think they're coming out with a new one here soon. You said Phantom. I thought you were going to say Phantom, too. I'm like, that thing's an airplane. (laughs) (laughs) Carrying that around up the mountains. Didn't know you were a drone guy, Jason. I I know about things. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have to stay pretty in shape? Because I know you go on, like, crazy long hikes, and you're carrying, like, all that heavy gear. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely, to do what I do in terms of the outdoors with the mountains and the backpacking, you definitely have to keep um, in shape. Um, Just... The hikes that I do alone take a lot of uh, exertion, so keep, I, I keep in shape. Knees. Yeah, when I'm at home, I, I try to run and like hit the gym and stuff. Um, but there's definitely stuff that you could shoot just like driving around, but not as special of places, I guess. Like some of the remote yeah. alpine lakes here in Washington, like you just can't get that driving around. Yeah, putting some effort into it. It's yeah, always exactly. Good. Makes for better backdrops for photos, and then um, yeah, just is worth it. Sweet. Do you have any, like, favorite hikes in Washington? I know that you go hiking all the time, and you find places that I seem to never be able to find. Yeah, I definitely have a lot of favorite hikes in Washington. Don't know how much I want to share my favorite hikes. (laughs) (laughs) Secret places, man. Secret secret places, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's definitely, I mean, there's so many good resources here in Washington for finding hikes, like Washington Trails Association and then all trails. I'm just getting on the map finder on there and looking around. Um, but yeah, just some of the remote alpine lakes. You here. could definitely, if you're ever in like Seattle, Pacific Northwest area, you can just Google it and you'll get a ton of places. Yeah, exactly. And like they're all good. Yeah. And half of them are within an hour of the yeah, city. Yeah, exactly. And even stuff close to the city, like Rattlesnake Ledge. Yeah. I've, that's the hike I've done the most, but it just works so well if you need something short mm-hmm. to get great views. 
Also, it's a state park, and you don't need any shooting permits of any kind in state parks in Washington State. Yeah. So that's really cool. Exactly. <laughs> it's not like L.A. where you need a shooting permit to, to be anywhere. Yeah. But, yeah. What's, what would you say your least favorite photography is or, like, your least favorite project to do? Uh, let's see. Least favorite type of photography? Probably shooting uh, families with small kids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love my nieces and my family, but I don't like shooting small kids. You just can't yeah. tell them what to do and they listen like adults. Um, but I don't do too much of that for work or all any of it. Um, I guess the, the most challenging stuff is when you I go to a place where it's maybe not the most beautiful. Like it's not a New Zealand or a Patagonia and I have to make it look beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's definitely less enjoyable than just going to a New Zealand or a Patagonia because it's quite a bit harder. Yeah. I have a question. Um, is there ever a time where you really got burned or just screwed over? that maybe you just didn't see coming or could have or I don't know any yeah um I guess the biggest one was I did a job for an agency and then they went bankrupt oh and so that's rough I I was able to get some of the money through like the collection agency that Mm -hmm. was working with them or something but I definitely didn't get all the money that I was owed so that kind of sucked after I'd done the work for it yeah that does suck and that's why you always review an agency's financial statements thoroughly before yeah. joining. <laughs> yeah. Or in my case, send them to Ben. <laughs> yeah, I'll take care of them. Send them on over. Yeah, send them to Project uh, Enterprise Podcast at gmail.com. Ben's on there every day. He's oh, yeah. just fixed, He's just doing people's taxes through that's our email. That's my full-time job. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. I'll start sending my stuff your way. Awesome. Um, I'd like to maybe we can get into some of the more business, small business aspects of you starting it. So you said you started it up in 2013. Yeah. When you were already living here, right? Mm-hmm. So does that start out as just like an LLC, a sole proprietorship? Or yeah, no. Uh, it started out as a sole proprietorship, which is, I still am a sole proprietorship. Mm-hmm. At some point, maybe I'll switch to an LLC. But um, when it's just me and I don't have like an assistant or anything, yeah. Um, the sole proprietorship works pretty well. So yeah, I registered as a business with the state of Washington and set up all that stuff for taxes. And um, I do have an accountant that I um, use for my business in terms of filing all my taxes and stuff, which really helps because... Okay. Did you I, ever do it on your own before that? No, or? Okay. no. <laughs> I, I worked with a different accountant initially, like when I started my business. Um, and then I kind of outgrew them in terms of the type of business they were a little bit more old school and i don't know that they fully understood what i did in terms of all this like social media stuff yeah lots of random travel expenses but this new guy that i work with pitch cpa out of uh, woodenville is amazing um and yeah he's really understood my business and saved me a massive headache because all of that tax organization numbers stuff no, no thanks. Yeah, I have to deal with that in April with my. Mm. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, not excited. Yeah, no, it's definitely not. paying someone to do it. So, has your business minor helped you out at all? I know a lot of people just. I mean, they get their minors because they, you know, think something's interesting, but they never end up using it. Yeah, no, um, it's definitely been beneficial, um, and just having that business knowledge, particularly with like marketing and advertising has really helped. Um, and then it's just starting my business too, in terms of thinking about, uh, growth and revenue versus costs and stuff. Um, I, I would say having that business minor has almost been as been beneficial as like having a photography degree, um, in terms of what I do now, like working for myself, the photography degree definitely helped a lot more when I was shooting more in studio with like lighting and very specific technical stuff. But now that I'm out kind of in the field on my own, um, doesn't help necessarily as much as it used to. Um, and then, yeah, the business, I mean, you can take as good of pictures as you want, but if you're not able to sell and market yourself, you're not going to make a business out of it. I'm really interested about how you've been able to market yourself so well. I know that you use a lot of hashtags and you got a really nice website. Um, what are some tips you'd, you'd recommend for someone trying to market themselves? Yeah, so... What's maybe another way to phrase it, what's something you wish you did early on? you didn't know um kind of yeah one of the things with photography is sort of finding your niche and marketing that um as opposed to marketing hey i shoot weddings i shoot kids i shoot parties i shoot events i shoot Mm -hmm. outdoors like having that all on your website it's a little bit much um so once i found my niche and my thing i wanted to focus on with the outdoors 
that sort of helped me develop my brand. And that's kind of the big thing is developing your brand and who you are um, and then making that consistent across all the platforms Mm -hmm. and also being on multiple platforms. So like, you know, I have my Instagram, I have my Facebook page, I have my website um, and having a good website. I use Squarespace for mine, super easy, Mm -hmm. amazing. Um, So having that definitely makes you look more professional and then also jumping on platforms as they come up um, before they, like, get big. So I'm always, oh. like, signing up for these new social medias, uh, whether or not they take off. You never know. Like but TikTok. It's, it's true. Yeah. One of them is going to eventually. Yeah. Eventually, Facebook first, and then Instagram will die. Exactly. Eventually. So it's a matter of putting yourself out there at the yeah. end of the day um, and putting a consistent brand and portfolio out there. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah, developing your personal style and your own brand and sticking with that. Sticking start to it, yep. that. Yeah, because if you don't know what you're about, you know, you're going to be figuring that out at the same time while trying to get more work and stuff right. instead of just focusing on getting more work. Yeah. So actually, that's my next question. Um, is there, do you just decide, you know what, I think I want to grow and I'm going, you know, like you said, it's hard to find motivation to really go out there and get new projects. Do you ever just decide I want to start trying to grow more business and you just, you know, maybe lay out a plan or you just kind of go with the flow and just accept what comes your way sometimes? Uh, yeah, it depends on... Uh, what mood I'm in, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the benefit of being self-employed is you can mm-hmm. kind of decide how aggressively you want to pursue things or how hard you want to work that month. Um, and so, yeah, there's definitely times where I've kind of taken it easier, like especially over the holidays or whatever. I don't really mm-hmm. have to do as much. Um, but then there's definitely times where I'm like super focused and really um, pushing myself and putting yeah. myself out there and reaching out. Um, and yeah, you just never know what's going to come your yeah. way from it. What can that uh, look like sometimes if you can think of any examples when you've really been trying to Yeah, so that? a lot of it is just finding the right person to contact. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be sending a DM to a brand and being like, hey, who's a good person to reach out about this? Okay. Um, the bigger brands often won't even respond to those. But then it's also a lot of like looking on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and stalking people essentially <laughs> to find out who – is, See who's in that senior marketing. Yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. Um, and then if they're not the right person, then um, reaching, seeing if you can get the email for the right person from them. Or like with tourism agencies, a lot of it's on their actual website. You just have to dig around and find like the contact information listed okay. there. What it, I'm, I, I've been trying to figure it out. I think I know. Is a tourism agency like like just one of those travel agencies that recommends people to go places and like they make money by sending uh, people? That is a type of travel agency. When I'm talking about tourism agency, I'm talking more about um, specifically for a country like uh, um, Slovenia, like their national okay. tourism. So it's like their government brand. run. Yeah. Oh, okay. Exactly. okay. So it was like, or like visit Switzerland or something, you yeah. know, things yeah. like that, where it's actually like the national tourism yeah. so to if promote we had people like to come. The visit Seattle. Yeah. Type of exactly. Thing. Okay. Exactly. Cool. I know you were talking about moments when you were motivated, but. Could you describe like a point in your life or career where you're at a pretty low point or had an obstacle that you had to overcome and how you did that? Yeah, there's definitely been a few times um, where there's been a couple months where I haven't had any projects come in. I mean, even this last year, um, I had a really busy spring and then summer was just dead. Um, I mean, I went a couple months where... I didn't have any new contract signed. And so I was like getting a little nervous at coming into fall. I was like, okay, something should come along. So there's definitely been a couple of times like that where um, I've sort of been down in terms of just the, my feeling about my business and my optimism because I haven't had stuff coming in. But then it's always f- turned around and uh, like had a lot come in this fall. So you just have to have faith that something's going to come along eventually and keep working at it. I mean, you're not just sitting around twiddling your thumbs during those times. You're working harder Mm -hmm. than you were before. Um, Oh, go ahead, John. One thing I've really noticed about your posts is that you, you spread a lot of positivity and I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that and why you put such a big emphasis on positivity in your posts or just like gratefulness. Yeah. Um, that is part of my brand is sort of spreading positivity and making people feel encouraged or built up. Um, I want people to look at my photos and take the beauty away from it and uh, like feel inspired or encouraged by just the photos. But then also like with the words I share, I try to 
um, share things that would make people also feel inspired or more encouraged to get out. And I think that social media can sometimes be a negative space where people um, maybe don't feel great about themselves or get attacked or whatever. So I try to keep my little space on the internet as positive as I can make it. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, yeah, social media isn't the greatest place for that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good to have that as well. Um, one uh, other thing I wanted to touch on briefly was, um, you know, I guess it wasn't that important because it just went out my brain. It's no longer there. <laughs> no I have no idea what it was. <laughs> what, uh, what advice would you give to your younger self or someone who's starting a career where they might get a lot of pushback from their parents or, or their friends? Yeah, um, I'd say definitely don't be, just don't be afraid to start. Um, I think with me doing what I do now, um, I think I was sort of afraid to jump into it um, just based on what other people thought about it or even what I thought was possible with it. And so I think I had a lot of hesitation to actually like put myself out there. And I think that's one of the big things of advice I would give to people trying to start something is to just start it. Um, don't let fear stop you from pursuing that thing that, um, you really want to be doing. Mm -hmm. And that 100% agree. I mean, Obviously, you might not be able to drop everything you're doing and right. jump right into it, but you can definitely start doing a little bit of something just on yeah, the side and slowly exactly. work it up. You don't yeah. have to wait for sort of everything to be in order. Yeah, because it probably won't be. Yeah, it never will be. <laughs> going to fall into place. You got to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Just get into it. I mean, it's just what you were saying, you know, when you don't have someone telling you to do something, it's on you to go get those projects. It's hard to find that motivation, but that's, you know, that, at the end of the day, that's all there is to it still. You still got to do it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You're definitely not going to find success in the freelance world if you're not self-motivated. Yeah. Yeah. Got to be able to get out of bed in the morning. Mm -hmm. Are there Unlike any... me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. Are there any books you've read that have really helped you through your career or just in life in general? Yeah. Um, well, I'm excited to read that book that you mentioned earlier. Um but there's been a few um, books that I read even back in school, like the 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing was a good one, or oh, yeah. How to Win Friends yeah. and Influence People. We just talked about that one last book. week, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, so there's been a few books like that um, that have been good. Sweet. Yeah. So not just in our recommendation, but Michael as well, definitely read those books. <laughs> yeah. Where where can our listeners find you or, like, see some of your work? Oh, yeah, plug, man. Yeah, um, I mean, my Instagram is kind of the place where I share the most content consistently. So I'm sharing several times a week on there, at Michael Maddie on Instagram. And then... Maddie with two Ts, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And we'll put him in the description of the notes on this podcast, yeah, too. Yeah, um, and then my website um, as well, content on there, um, Facebook, Pretty much any social media platform, you just search my name, you'll find it. Sweet. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we'll make sure to put, uh, you know, the IG, Twitter, and yeah. the uh, TikTok. 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 I am on TikTok. You're on TikTok? Yeah. You doing the lip sync battles? Doing I'm not duet? doing that. No, do a duet no. right now. Come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of doing my own thing on there. Uh, no problem. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, it was a pleasure having you, man. Yeah, thanks, Michael. Yeah, super yeah. glad you could come down, share with us some of the cool stuff you're doing. Yeah, awesome. glad I could make it. It's been good chatting with you guys. Awesome. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Michael. Special shout-out to Staten Alvarado doing all the sound work. You can find him on SoundCloud. At Staten Alvarado, also doing the show notes. Enterprise.